Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Basically, I want to give you probably several titles. One is, Water Baptism is Humbling. And if you've ever noticed, uh, as we go through the message, I'm going to share, there's a lot of things that God asks you to do that are humbling. And the Lord uh, spoke to me during the worship service, and he says, grace follows obedience. But then he also said, grace, grace comes ahead of obedience to move us towards obedience, but grace, and I'm going to define grace with the, uh, in the second half, is God's divine enablement. I want to share with you that through simple obedience to the simplest things God asks us to do, we will see the grace, we will see the blessing, and we will also see the miraculous come forth. I could give you uh, my testimony. A lot of you have already heard. But... uh, I want to share with you this morning about a young man that came came to church here. I forget how many years ago. It could have been five years ago. But it was on a January morning. Say January. It's not July. You know, there's a difference between July and January. If you go down to the creek about this time, it might feel cool. But in January, it'll feel a lot cooler. (laughs) But he came to our church, and he had been saved, but he said he needed to be baptized. And uh, we aren't set up for an automatic baptism. And I said, well, the the only thing we have is the creek. There's a creek across the road called the Wiccanisco Creek or the Black Creek. And uh, I said, it's very cold. And then he told me, he said, you know, when I joined the gangs in New York, I had to be initiated. And I had to go through these initiations. A lot of times, I don't remember him telling me what it was, but a lot of times they get beat by the gang members. And so he said, if I can do that for the gang, I can do this for Jesus. And so we went down after church. <laughs> reason I'm laughing, because I can still feel it. <laughs> I got into, I went up to knee deep, and my legs went instantly numb. Well, we believe in submersion. <laughs> and so I, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, I baptize you, you know. And I got him completely under and got him back up. And then we had to get back 
to the church to get warm. But the thing that struck me was his, his, uh, his dedication. He was dedicated to a gang, but now he's going to shift his loyalty to be dedicated to Jesus Christ. And he wasn't ashamed, and he wasn't uh, afraid, and he wasn't afraid of discomfort because it was discomforting to me. He wasn't afraid of the discomfort to go and step out. There was a grace upon him to be obedient, but there's a grace that follows obedience. And the grace that follows obedience doesn't necessarily come at that very moment, but I will guarantee you the grace will follow your obedience. You know, if you feel like you want to go preach the gospel and and share the message of Christ, but God has told you to sweep the church, and you don't sweep the church, grace will not follow you if you don't, if you just go, if you just go and preach the gospel, and God's told you to sweep the church, then you're going to, you, you will be able to preach the gospel, but the grace will not be on you. Uh, I remember years ago, I was, uh, I was working in Kansas City at a medical school. I was working in the engineering department. That's basically the heating and cooling area of this uh, medical school. And I remember, um, it's a long story, but I was sweeping the floor. And I'm complaining. I'm supposed to be in the ministry because I knew I had a call on my life and here I am sweeping this floor. I'm supposed to be in the ministry. And God spoke to my spirit and he said, he said, um, whatever you do in word or deed, do all things to the glory of God or in everything give thanks. So I started, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How long does it take to repent? Does it take years? Does it take days? Does it take months? It takes seconds. Because repentance is an attitude of the heart. It is a turning of the way I think. And when I turn my thinking, I turn my action. I turn my attitude. So therefore, I want to share with you this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to, or if you have your iPhones with a Bible app on it, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. I, I want to start, and we're talking about a man who was a Syrian general, and he was very successful. And the Bible says that the Lord was the one that gave him success. Say, the Lord, the Syrians are the enemies of Israel. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, you know, that person's not very godly. How come God's using them? It's because of grace that God uses people. If God ever uses you, it's because of grace. If God ever uses me, it's because of grace. It is by grace we are saved. It is by grace we do what we do for the kingdom of God. It is by grace we are anointed by the Spirit of God. But anyway, 
this is almost like a baptismal, but it is a humili- it is a humbling. I'm not, it's not humiliating. It's humbling. If you humble yourself, Peter says, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. Yeah. When's due time? Well, my due time is right now. <laughs> my due time is right when I do it. But God will do it in due time. And it will be when you need that due time. It will be when you need that grace. But he says here, now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria, had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Again, I want to point out, Syria is Israel's enemies. But God gave them victory. Now, just a simple, just a simple uh, explanation to that is it was because Israel was in rebellion to God, and God was trying to bring them back. You know, uh, so many times I used to think when you read the Old Testament, it's so negative and it's so wrathful and it's so punishing. But every time God is, God, even before he, he punishes them, he says, if you will turn, this won't happen. If you will change your ways, this won't happen. Come on, guys. Get with it. Goes on to say, and the Syrians had gone on a raid, and they brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Now, I want to talk about that little girl for a second. Her parents could have been killed in that raid. We don't know. Her, she saw the destruction of her people because of the raid of the Syrians, and she was taken from her loved ones, she was taken from her family, she was taken from her land, and she was brought into a place of servanthood to an enemy. <laughs> Say, Jesus said to love your enemies. Oh, we're not very loud on that. <laughs> Let's do it again. Jesus said to love your enemies. I think this is a brilliant, this is a beautiful showing of how to love your enemy. She goes on to say in verse 3, Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. She has a love for God, and she has a faith in God. Even though she has been taken away from her family, she still has faith in God. She still knows that God can do the miraculous. She still knows that God is on her side. She says, if only my master who has kidnapped me and brought me here was in Israel, he would get healed. What kind of faith is that? What kind of love is that? 
Not only that, she gave a testimony. Remember, we've talked about in the past, when you give a testimony, you give the power for the testimony to be repeated. And so Naaman hears this. So what does he do? He repeats the testimony. He says, and Naaman went went and told his master, saying, thus and thus, said the girl uh, who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, uh, and 10 changes of raiment. Now listen to this letter. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, and remember this is his enemy. Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. How would you like your enemy to send you a letter, a more powerful enemy, to send you a letter and say, hey, heal my servant of leprosy? Well, if you, uh, you and I would probably be like that king. He tore his clothes and said, this guy is looking for a fight. He is looking for a way to, uh, to take advantage of us. But say there's a prophet in town. There's a prophet in town, and he heard what the king had done. He tore his clothes, and he made these statements, and he said, send the man to me. Whoa, man, what a faith. You know, I have, been, I have gone on missions trips, and we have, we have gone specifically to uh, lead people in salvation, and we have gone to pray for the sick. And I have a man, when we went to uh, Ecuador, did we see the sick healed? We did, okay. But you know, a lot of times we think we have to feel a certain way. I have to feel the anointing. I have to feel the power. I have to feel the energy, the electricity, the heat. I have to feel what God, you know, I have to feel this. Man, every time I've ever done it, I never felt anything. (laughs) I felt like I wish I wasn't doing this. I felt like, man, here I am. I don't feel nothing. But then, you, but then you do it, and God does it. He is faithful. Yes. Yeah, do it again. More, Lord, more. To me, that was humbling. That humbled me. Every week when I get up here, I get humbled. Hey, why do they want to come and hear me? But anyway, our thought is on getting Naaman healed right now. So anyway, the king sends uh, Naaman to the prophet. Now listen to this. Now, who is this Naaman? He is second in command in Syria. Second in command. He is a high official. And so he comes to Elisha's house, and Elisha doesn't even come out. Doesn't even greet him. 
he sends a servant. And Elisha sent a servant and said to him, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Doesn't even come out, just sends a message. Then the servant turns around and walks away. Have you read this story before? The dude gets livid. He gets angry. He gets furious. He said, couldn't I have dipped seven times in the rivers of Syria? Couldn't I have dipped? You know, in these, he names these two rivers. Say, thank God for servants. <laughs> Only two people. Okay. <laughs> thank God for servants. There was a, his servant said to him, Master, if he would have come out and waved his arms over you or told you to go do something great, you would have done it. He says, yes. And then he says, how much more this little thing? How much more this little humiliating thing? To Naaman, dipping himself in the Jordan was humiliation. Humiliating. But grace always follows obedience. So he goes to the Jordan, and we don't know his attitude. He still could be mad. He still could be, yeah. Did you say ticked off? Okay. <laughs> he could still be angry, but he's going to do it anyway. Say, do it anyway. Man, if God tells you to do something, do it anyway. Do it whether you feel like it or not. Do it whether you feel like you have the anointing. Do it whether you feel like you've got the, uh, the goosebumps. Whatever you feel when you feel God. Just do it anyway. So we know he goes down and he dips seven times in the Jordan. First time, nothing. Second time, nothing. Third, he goes all the way to the sixth time. We still don't know what his attitude is. I would think he could be getting more angry because nothing's happening. Maybe just a little bit. But he went down the seventh time and he came back up and his flesh was made whole. I would call that a baptism of cleansing. But here he is. He, this, let, let, let's just think about this for a moment. There's first of all a servant girl. A servant girl that loved her enemy. A servant girl that gave a testimony. A man that was willing to go to Israel. A man that got over himself. You know, when we get mad, we really need to get over ourselves. We need to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord so he can lift us up. So thank you, Jesus. God never has been opposed to telling us to do something foolish to bring his blessing. Never been opposed to telling us to doing something foolish. Moses, he says, go down, take this staff with you, and deliver my people. How would you like that one? <laughs> now, we know there, there was a, a dialogue there. 
But he's still taking a stick, and he's still on the way carrying this stick, and this stick still looks normal, even after the miracle. How many of you know we forget stuff real quick? We forget stuff. Joshua. March seven day, March seven, uh, march around Jericho, and uh, every day for six days, once. Then on the seventh day, march around Jericho seven times, and the walls will fall down. Hallelujah! Right to it, Lord. <laughs> well, he did because there was an angel that appeared to him. And he said, uh, Joshua said, are you for us? Are you for them? And he says, I'm for neither. I'm for the Lord. Whoa, then I better, then I better get lockstep with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Elijah comes to a woman. It had been a famine for uh, no rain for three and a half years. And he goes to a woman that has enough food for herself and her son. They were going to eat it and die. And Elijah says, make me a cake first. (laughs) Doesn't God ask you to do some some stuff? In our our, uh, secular thinking, we would think, well, that's not right. They survived, didn't they? She did it. She obeyed. She survived. Because the meal never ran out and the oil never went dry. All right. Elisha went to Jericho, and Jericho had bitter water. As a matter of fact, some studying on that, uh, the people were infertile. They couldn't have kids. And so uh, Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with some salt. He did that. He threw it in. The water was clean. Water was good. Now tell me, did that salt really do that? (laughs) It was his obedience that did that. It was their obedience to the word of the Lord. So I'm asking you, the smallest thing could be your greatest blessing. The smallest act of obedience could release the greatest measure of grace. Jesus said to the servants at the wedding, go fill up the pots with water, seven pots. These pots are used for ceremonial washing. Wash yourself when you go to the market. Wash your, the things that you buy when you come back from the market. And Jesus says, fill, well, first of all, mother says, <laughs> they have no wine. So we won't get into that. But then Jesus, but she says something very interesting. She said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. I heard a testimony years ago, and it was um, this Protestant that went into South America. And most of South America was Catholic. 
And so he got up to preach, and they were throwing rotten stuff at him, you know. And all of a sudden, he yells out, I'm more Catholic than you are. What? Mary said, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. And I'm doing it. <laughs> so they listened. Hallelujah. Boy, that took the grace of God. But Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. They filled them. Now he said, take a cup to the master of the feast. I'm thinking these guys are employed by him. They could lose their jobs, but they're obedient. First of all, they filled the, they filled the, the vessels to the brim, and then they take this water over to the master, and as soon as he takes a sip, it's the best wine he'd ever had. He said, you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus spits and make mud, rubs it in a blind man's eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Grace follows obedience. Now, grace will propel you to obedience, but you still have to be obedient, and then grace will follow the obedience. You've also heard this, believe and confess, and you shall be saved. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I don't have to go do a bunch of works to get saved. I just have to believe and confess and follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. So baptism is a humbling act that God will use to bring power in your life. He will use that to bring power in your life. Remember Israel, they walk through the Red Sea and their enemy was destroyed. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about them going through the Red Sea, and that was considered a baptism. It was considered a baptism. In James, got that, James? In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. A lot of times people are trying to, to get the devil to flee without being obedient to what the Lord says, without submitting themselves to God. What is submitting himself? What is submitting myself to God? When he tells me to do something, I do it. Am I doing okay on the sides thing? Am I spending too much time on one side? Oh, I'm okay. One, one week I was just over here. <laughs> I don't want you guys to feel left out. Okay. So anyway, he says in verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
Let me just say this. God is pulling you first. God is drawing you. God is, God is pulling you first. That's the grace. That's the pre-grace. But when you, when you draw near to God, then his grace is released and the power of God is released to you. Again, the, again, you might not recognize it at that very moment, but grace will be released in your life. And my definition of grace at that point is God's divine enablement. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, he says, Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. Matthew 18.4, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom. You know, we, were, uh, we are told by our Savior, Jesus, to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How? If we pray it, but we don't act it, we're doing an exercise in futility. But he says, if we humble ourselves, then we are actually being raised up in the kingdom and bringing, I believe, the kingdom here. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, he says, there, uh, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Have you ever been humbled? I remember, uh, I've been humbled a lot of times. I want to tell you about one. I was a kid. I was uh, probably in the sixth or seventh grade. And there was, and it was in the wintertime, say January. <laughs> it was January. And I'm in a, living in an urban area, you know, uh, not high-rise buildings, but in an, in an urban area. And so the, uh, there's snow on the ground, and we used to ride our sleds down, down, the, down the hill. And there was this guy with his sister. This guy is probably several years older than me. And uh, he said, don't slide down the hill. Well, nobody's going to tell me not to slide down the hill. <laughs> Well, I slid down the hill, and he proceeded to uh, rearrange my face. <laughs> you know, if I would have just, yeah, pow. If I would have just humbled myself and waited five minutes, I would have been okay. But no, I didn't want to humble myself. He who does not humble himself is not exalted. <laughs> you are abased. Oh, so many, so many stories in so little time. I want to share with you about this um, in Philippians. Jesus, or Paul said this. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So let this attitude... Let this way of thinking be on the inside of you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of, of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, 
No matter who you are, don't try to exalt yourself. Don't try to make yourself a reputation. Why? Because God wants to lift you up. It's better for God to lift you up than for you to lift yourself up. Even though he was in the form of God, he did not, uh, he, he made himself of no reputation. Even though he was in the form of God, he took on the form of a bondservant and became like a man. Even though he was in the form of God, he humbled himself and became obedient. He did what? He humbled himself. How did he humble himself? He did what God asked him to do. And he became obedient to what God asked him to do. So how do we humble ourselves? Well, David one time said, I humbled myself with fasting. But if you don't want to do that, you can always be obedient. But you know what? If you're not obedient and you fast, it's worthless. Just a thought. He says, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and those in earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The attitude is him humbling himself. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The attitude is that we humble ourselves. Humbling oneself is the act of obedience. Doing what God says to do. We become exalted by identifying with Jesus. When I, when I, I, anytime I identify with Jesus, then I'm being exalted. Whether it's verbally, whether it's an act of, of baptism, whether it's a, whatever God tells me to do, if I'm identifying with Jesus, I'm being exalted. Thank you, Jesus. And then the last scripture, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. He says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Is that statement true? I'm sure it was. But Jesus was listening to another voice. And that voice was from heaven. And God had led him to that place to show the ways of righteousness. And so he comes to John to be baptized. And Jesus said, Jesus answered him, he said, Permit it to be so now, for it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. You know, if the uh, the bad the fellow that's being baptized today, he's a young guy. But you know what? I was a young guy. I was so young that 
when I went down into the baptismal, I was disappointed when I came out because I thought the water would be black because all my sins were washed away. My sister, who was five years older than me, she thought the same thing because we knew we were both sinners. But I was about, I'm thinking about, you know, around seven years old, something like that. I was a young guy. So you say, well, does it really any do any good for a young kid? Anytime a child wants to make a step towards righteousness, I believe it's something that we should cooperate with. Hallelujah. Yeah, I got baptized again. And my wife and I got baptized together. But still, I think that those, those steps of righteousness that I took led me to a place to where there was a grace release that kept me, kept me in God's perfect plan. So, so John allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately out of the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And like I said earlier, the moment we, the moment we humble ourselves in obedience, grace is released. And the grace of God came down upon Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit and... Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know, that's not the end of the story. As soon as he was filled with the Holy Spirit, where was he led to? He was led to the wilderness. But when he came out of the wilderness, he was not only filled with the Spirit, he was filled with the power. He was filled with the power of God. Now, I can't guarantee you that the moment you're baptized, immediately something's going to happen. But I will guarantee you that grace is released in your life so that you, and believe me, let me just say this. We're not just doing this for, uh, for religious exercises. We are doing this as acts of faith. When we act in faith, when we act in faith, then God releases his anointing. He releases his power. Thank you, Jesus. So, what is the little thing that God's asked you to do? I'm not asking you to do baptism today. But what is the little thing God is asking you to do? What's the little thing? If we humble ourselves, the, the grace is released in our lives. I have had so many times, like I already told you, I, uh, I'm going to give you one more story. I was in Nicaragua with my wife, and uh, I was getting ready to leave. I was going to leave the meeting at 10 o'clock. I did not have to preach. I did not have to do anything. I just had to leave at 10 o'clock to go pick up the bishop at the airport. And so Melody had preached. 
everything was fine. I'm getting ready to go. And I hear somebody say, Pastor Steve. <laughs> what? And what they said was, everybody that's sick, come up front and Pastor Steve's going to pray for you. <laughs> Did I feel anointed? I didn't even pray. I'm thinking, I'm going to the airport. And by, by the grace of God, this is, not, this is I'm not, bra not bragging on myself. I'm just saying this, that by the grace of God, everybody that came forward was healed. Everybody that came forward. Now, have I prayed for everybody and everybody's got healed? No. But you just do what God tells you to do. You do what God asks you to do. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the, uh, the prayer team to come up. Thank you, Lord. <laughs>